But what we were talking about is um, last week we talked, because I told you we were going to talk about the two most seducing spirits. Yeah, and today we are going to talk about the one that is even more seducing to Christians than lust. Lust is pretty seducing because it plays on, it plays on um, our, own, our own heart and our own evil desires, okay? But there's a spirit that is greater and more seducing than lust, and that's the spirit of infirmity. You know what infirmity is? Sickness. Now, you guys would want to know how in the world could a spirit of sickness be seducing to us where we would want it. Don't you wonder that? We all say, no, we don't want to be sick. But the question is, do we? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share with you, everybody's shaking their head no, but you might be surprised because the spirit of infirmity is a very seducing spirit. It is a very seducing spirit, and it draws you right in. And I'm going to share with you my own personal journey. Is that cool? And so I'm going to expose myself to you today in, um, in a very transparent way and tell you how I processed my health issues. Are you cool with that? All right? But, so I'm going to be dead honest with you. And so I want you guys to be aware of this because this is how the spirit of, of infirmity works, okay? But um, first of all, I want to give you a biblical context for what um, we're going to go into. Now, will you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13? Luke chapter 13. Verses 10 through 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. Are you guys there? You know, one of the things I noticed in my Bible about this passage here is my Bible divides every passage, you know, every little different sections of Scripture, and they give it a title. And the title that, that is above verse 10 in my Bible says, A Crippled Woman Healed on a Sabbath. Now, over the years, I have pre- heard this this story preached about and talked about, and it talks about the justification for healing on the Sabbath, which any day is a good day for healing, amen? We know that. But we understand in this passage that the, um, that the, that the, uh, that the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day were indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And most of the sermons that I have heard on this passage have dealt with healing on the Sabbath or working on the Sabbath or something about the Sabbath. And I want you guys to understand these things in your Bible, these headlines above the scriptures where it says like a crippled woman healed of the Sabbath and that, those headlines, those, those headlines to demark a, a separate topic, those are not ordained by God. Those are not scripture. So you don't want to just read the headline and try to read out of the scripture what the headline tells you. You guys understand that? The scripture 
is ordained and inspired by God and is the Word of God. The headlines are what people recently have added to just break up the, the chapter, okay? So sometimes you need to pay attention to the Scripture and not necessarily the headline, okay? So with that being said, I don't want to focus on the Sabbath or anything about the Sabbath, okay? That's not what we're looking at today. We're going to look at the first part of the verse, first part of this, this paragraph that is, let, let's see, it's, um, there's four verses dedicated to the healing part of it. Then the rest of the passage goes into dealing with the Sabbath. But we're not going to deal with the Sabbath. We're going to deal with the first part dealing with healing. Okay? Now, before I read this passage to you, what was Jesus known for? I heard it on that side. What about this side? What was Jesus known for and when he walked the earth? Huh? Teaching and healing. What did the people flock to him for? Teaching or for healing? And most, huh? For healing. Most of the time, you see people running to Jesus for healing. Everybody wanted something from him. They wanted to be around him because everywhere he went, miracles happened. People were always healed when Jesus was around. And it wasn't that some were healed, some were not. Anybody that came into the presence of Jesus and, and received what he had was healed. Okay? So that is the standard that God has established for us concerning physical health. God's method is healing. So, in this passage, I want you to notice something about this woman. Okay, so you ready to read? On verse 10, it says, On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by the Spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Okay, so you got to give the lady credit. She's in church, right? How many times have we let sickness or I don't feel good today or anything keep us out of the house of worship? Often. Now, I wanted to stop there for a second. In this setting here, there is something uniquely special. There is a special anointing that happens when we gather here to worship together. You know, I can come in this church, and I do often on Friday nights. I come in this church, and I pray over the sanctuary often. I usually do it on my way home from work. Some Fridays I miss it, but a lot of times I stop in here and pray over this place on Friday nights in between my ride home. I didn't have time to do it this week. Sorry. Are you guys okay with that? But, all right, well, it doesn't matter whether you do are okay with it or not. I didn't have time this week. So we're all going to live with it, right? But it doesn't change the anointing that takes place in this house. Because where two or three are gathered in my name, God says, I am there in the midst of you. When we worship God, we invite the presence and the spirit of God into this place. Now, when I pray over these chairs, and when I'm in here in my private time worshiping God, all right, I'm going to confess to you, sometimes I might sing a little bit. I'm not belting out at the top of my lungs, but I will sing worship to God, Okay. Now, um, that's hard for me to admit because I'm not a singer, all right? But when I worship God in this place by myself, it's awesome. But it is not as awesome and it is not as powerful as when we all gather together and there is that corporate anointing. 
There is something really special when the body of Christ comes together and there's a special, a powerful anointing that is in its place when everybody who carries the power and the presence of God in their life comes into this place and releases that into this atmosphere. It changes this atmosphere. It changes this atmosphere. And in this type of setting, if we are open to it, there can be healing. There can be breakthrough. There can be deliverance. There can be all sorts of things. So, in this passage of Scripture, are you guys still with me? In this passage of Scripture, we got to give the lady credit. She's in the house of God, and she's in severe pain, and she's crippled over. So, where are we at? The fan's blowing my pages. Okay, so here we go. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from infirmity. Then he put her, his hands on her and immediately straightened up and praised God. Now, in this text, the woman had been crippled by a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She's lived with this. But did you notice her posture in the service? And I'm going to pick on this just for a minute. When she came into the service in this place... She didn't do like almost everybody else we read about in the Bible. She didn't run to Jesus for healing. She just happened to be in the meeting that she was going to hear some good teaching. Jesus had to call her forward and call her out. And this is really the only time in the Bible that you see this taking place where Jesus called somebody out. See, there's, there's different types of sickness there's, there's sickness that just happens, but then there are some sicknesses that are inflicted upon us by a spirit of infirmity. And I'm going to share with you how a spirit of infirmity operates because I want to expose this type of spirit to you. Now, we all are going to get old. And if Jesus tarries, we all are going to pass from this earth, right? When you get old, what happens? Your body starts to wear out, okay? That's... What, it, what causes this to happen? Do you guys remember? Let's give you a history lesson. Sin. All right. Is it our sin? No. It's just what happened because the fall of man. Because when the fall of man happened, the, the curse that was put on us was sin. Of the curse of sin that was put on us, the result of it, the manifestation of that curse is sickness and death. Okay? Now, I propose to you that we don't have to die sick. You ever think about that? We don't have to die sick. We can decide at the end of our life, it's time to give up our spirit, just like they did that you read about the patriarchs doing in the Old Testament. Someday it has appointed us to die, and we can choose to give up our spirit on that day. But, sometimes sickness happens that is no result of an evil spirit. Are you guys following me? Sometimes it's just, it happens. And it's not a result of an evil spirit. And whenever a sickness happens that's not a result of an evil spirit, the person that has that sickness wants healing. They will pursue healing. They will go after it. I had a cousin, and I want to share this with you. I had a cousin who got sick with a, um, with a disease that, that uh, crippled him, that messed him up, and it just totally, and it killed him. 
But every day of his life, he believed and he stood for his healing. He went after his healing. He believed God. He would travel anywhere. There were people that had a, a proven healing anointing on their life to be able to get into that atmosphere, to be able to get into that healing anointing. And he was not healed, and he died. But I want to praise God for this. He died in faith. He died fighting. He died contending for what he understood in the Bible that was rightfully his as a child of God, which is healing. He died in faith. And the thing is, is that's the legacy that we need to pass on to our children if we get some sort of illness that, that is not brought on by a spirit, but it just happens to us. And if we need to contend and fight for our healing every step of the way. You guys hear me on this side. Healing is ours. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more in just a second. But this lady, Jesus calls her forward. And he, and he says, you are set free from your infirmity. And immediately when he laid hands on her, that evil spirit that had been tormenting her, where she was bent over and could not even straighten up, and she was in so much pain, that spirit lifted from her, and immediately she stood up and praised God, and she was upright. All right? So, I want to address the spirit of infirmity and how it happens. Because if you're, right, if you're not being afflicted by a spirit, you're going to want healing. You're going to pursue healing. You're going to go after healing. You're going to meditate on the healing verses. But if you're inflicted by a spirit of infirmity, this is what will happen. Okay? So, I want to share with you my personal journey with a spirit of infirmity. Are you guys ready? All right. Years ago, when I came to this church, it was my first, it was my first year in this church. All of a sudden, my blood chemistry, my blood sugar levels went all over the place. And I got diagnosed as not just a diabetic, but a brittle diabetic. All right, and brittle diabetic means that you will bottom out. Then you will, your sugar level will go through the roof. You will bottom out. You will go through the roof. Now, mine was so extreme that every 30 to 40 minutes, my sugar level would drop to like 65 or 70. And then it would shoot back up and go up into the 300s. And it would drop. And every 30 to 40 minutes, it would do that. Now, those of you who know me really intimately know when my sugar level drops, I get fighting mean. Did you guys know that? Yes. Yeah, Marsha knows that. Some of you guys may have witnessed that this year at around Christmas time when we were decorating the church. I will get fighting mean if my sugar level drops. I will get fighting mean. And then I will just tell you what comes to mind. And, um, and it'll make me, if it stays low, it'll make me want to take you out and kick the crap out of you. Yeah. So that's how low blood sugar affects me. But then when it goes up, Man, I'm on fire. When it gets around 300, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. We can do it all. And I feel great. All right? So it's like you go into a low, then you get high. All right? 
So this is 10 years ago, um, 10 or 11, no, tw almost, tw yeah, 12 years ago now. 12 years ago this happened. I got diagnosed as this brittle diabetic. And the, because it was so extreme, they couldn't get it regulated, the doctor put this thing on me, this meter that went straight into my stomach that would measure my blood sugar every 30 or 40 seconds. And that's how they figured out it was just doing that, okay? Now, I was new to this church, and this church was a very challenging and difficult church at that time. So trying to manage that as a senior pastor, when you want to go out and kick the crap out of somebody one minute, and then the next minute you're on fire and we can do this, is going to create problems for you in the ministry, okay? And because of it, it was affecting me so much that I started to think I'm going to have to give up ministry because of it. And I almost quit the ministry because of it. All right? But when I got diagnosed with diabetes, though, all those years ago, um, when I got that diagnosis, my, my, the thought that went through my mind, and I accepted it at that moment, was, well, my grandparents had it. All, my grandmother died of it. All my uncles had it. My dad had it and, it, and it killed them all. So I guess I'm just at that age in life where I'm going to have to deal with it, and, I, and that's going to kill me too. And that's what I accepted as truth in my life. You guys see the problem with that? It goes contrary to everything that the Word of God says. Now, I received this disease as a spirit of infirmity. It was an attack on my life. It has attacked my family for generations. And it's an actual, it's a spirit of infirmity. It's not just the luck of the draw, I got bad genes. Mm -mm. Because when I got born again, old things passed away and all things became new. I have spiritual DNA in my life that supersedes what my family DNA is. But the thing is, is the spirit of infirmity, what does Satan come to do and all his demonic spirits come to do? Kill, steal, and destroy. Are you guys with me? And so this is a spiritual attack by an evil spirit. And so after I got diagnosed with it, and I'm like, well, it's just my lot in life. My grandparents, my uncles, my dad, everybody died from it. It's just my turn, and, and then um, I just hope better for my kids. And that was my mentality for probably a good year. And then it was ticking me off because I had no health insurance, and so I couldn't even afford to buy those stinking test strips that you got to do your clicking your finger and, you know, and doing the blood check and everything. I couldn't even afford to buy those. I didn't make enough money from this church to afford that. And so I got ticked off at God over this. And I was mad at God. I'm like, I agreed to give my whole life to you. You called me into ministry from an early age. And here I am. I'm battling diabetes. I can't manage the church because my personality is all over the place. And now I can't even afford these stupid test strips. And so... I'm mad at God, and I'm starting to develop an attitude, all right? But you want to know my heart in the matter with this whole diabetes thing back then? I'll tell you my honest heart with it, that I would never have admitted to myself, but one day I came to realize. 
I enjoyed the, um, the high and the low. <laughs> Believe it or not. You guys are looking at me like I'm out of my mind. I enjoyed, my, I enjoyed the, the feeling of my body going from very low to very high to dropping down. It was almost like an addiction. Now, you guys are thinking I'm weird, all right? But hold on, because I can bring it close to home, and then you guys will be able to relate to it in just a second, all right? Because I'm going to show you how the spirit of infirmity works, because it's a very seducing spirit, okay? And so I would enjoy those feelings of up and down. And so I would on purpose not watch my diet because I enjoyed those feelings. <laughs> Stupid, right? No, I wouldn't call it stupid. I call it deceived by a spirit of infirmity. Deceived by an evil spirit who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay? You follow me? Now, I'm going to get back to Scripture in just a second. This is how a spirit of infirmity works. And I can tell you this firsthand because I've been through it. Okay? So, I enjoy those feelings. And so I do things on purpose to do that. But then, I'm still mad at God at this point, but I'm enjoying the ride. You know what I mean? It's just a... <laughs> it was. It was like a drug addiction. So I'm enjoying the ride. And I know this may sound ridiculous, but I'm going to tell you the root cause of it. Because for every time there's a demonic spirit that attacks us, there is a root cause, meaning there is an open door. It's a place where you have given the devil a foothold in your life. You know how the Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life? We always apply that to sin. Usually when we think about do not give the devil a foothold in our life, we apply it to sin. Okay, I'm not going to steal. I don't want to give the devil a foothold. I'm going to try to avoid lust. I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life. I'm going to try to avoid anger because I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life. But I want to show you how tricky and deceptive open doors are. Okay? Now, I'm going to backtrack in my history for a minute. I had a rough time in school. I didn't do well in school. Until I, was in senior, until I was a senior in high school and until I went to college. Did I Before those times, I never did get into school. You all know the story. I got to be a leader in third grade, right? Because I did third grade twice. Remember that? So I flunked in third grade. All through school, the kids used to say flunky. And that was my nickname. Okay. So, when you receive an identity like flunky, what does that do to your self-esteem? What does it do to your confidence? What does it do to um, your inner being? It just, it destroys you one by one, okay? It just picks at who you are. And eventually you deal with low self-esteem, you deal with lack of confidence, and you have basically an identity crisis, Okay? So fast forward, you know, you go through life believing that you're a failure, okay? And my sixth grade teacher told me, she told me, and she, we were paying for special tutoring for me to sit with her. Natalie had a dealing with that lady as well, the same sixth grade teacher. Um, this woman 
had a lot of hurt in her life, and so she lashed out onto her students because of the hurt in her life. Okay? And so in one of the tutoring sessions one time, because I could not grasp the comprehension of long division, she pounded on her desk and she screamed at me, you will never amount to anything in your life. You will be nobody. Because I couldn't grasp the concept of long division. Here I am, 47 years old, I think. 47 or 48, somewhere. I was born in 69, however old that is. Um, yeah, see, I'm not good with math. Am I 48? I will be in December, she says. So, so here's the deal. She says you will never amount to anything in your life. Now that's coming from an authority figure now. That's not coming from a peer anymore. That's coming from an authority figure. And at that moment, it sealed the deal as far as that is who I am. That is who I'm going to become in life. And at that moment in my life, I got ticked off. And so I grew up all through my teenage years with an attitude. I was always angry, I was always ticked off, always looking for a good fight. My oldest uncle used to call me Angry Aaron. He would call me AA because I would go, I would openly rebel against anything that was of normal um, societal, societal standards. Okay? He took us out to a fine dining restaurant that was a suit and tie thing. So I wore dirty jeans, a dirty t-shirt, and a hat because I was going to show them. Because after all, I was a loser in life, and I'm going to live up to that standard. But at the same time, I wanted better for my life. And so I did this whole lawn business thing, and I was trying to make a success for myself and make a name for myself and everything else. But in reality, at the heart of my issue was that I'm a loser in life, I will never amount to anything, I'm a failure and I'm a flunky. Okay? So, what does that have to do with healing? I will tell you. Get diagnosed with diabetes. When I'm the pastor of this church, 12 years ago, 10, 11, 12 years ago, somewhere in there, get diagnosed with diabetes. And I'm enjoying this up and down high because it, it was actually, it felt really weird and good in a unique, strange way. And the thing is, is diabetes is a very selfish and uh, self-serving disease because you have total control of it most of the time by what you eat. Not all diabetics are this way. Some, it's just a disease. But mine was inflicted upon me by a spirit of infirmity. Okay? You understand that? Because we got children in our church that are dealing with diabetes, and they're not afflicted by a spirit of infirmity. It's a disease that they are battling. And they, and, and they, it is awesome because every time we open up the altars for prayer, one of them, you know, the older one comes up for prayer because he's contending for his healing. He's standing in faith for his healing. He's not just sitting back there going, this is my lot in life. He's coming up here every week going after his healing, okay? Now here I am, a pastor that sort of believes in healing. I've, I was kind of pursuing a healing ministry at that point in my life, but I hadn't understood the grasp and the concept of it yet. But here I am, somebody that loosely at that point in my life believes in healing. And I'm dealing with this disease. And I'm not contending for my healing. When people say, let me pray for you for sugar level, I'm like, no, I'm good. 
I didn't want anybody to pray for me because I enjoyed that up and down. It felt good. I wouldn't admit that. And I was very, not very conscious of it, but it would pop up once in a while. I'm like, man, this feels good. You know, and I'm like, you know. But at the same time, I'm mad at God over this and everything else. And so um, what I realized about diabetes was that you have to carry this stupid little bag around with you. And no matter where you're at in public, you got to go, click your finger, squeeze the blood out, stick this stupid strip on there, and get your number. And everybody's like, you know, because everybody's curious. They're watching you, you know. And so you're always clicking, doing the doing stupid finger stick thing. And everybody's watching you. So I'm telling you how seducing a, a, a spirit of infirmity is, okay? So everybody's watching you. Now, when you're a failure, you're a loser, and you're never going to amount to anything in life, and all of a sudden you got everybody's utmost attention because you're, oh, it's, you know. What does that do? People are like, they start showing compassion, and they start caring for you, and they start just kind of embracing you. I had a church, the church body at that time did not like me very much. They wanted me to be gone. But at the same time, I'm struggling with this. So they're starting to get very caring. And it's feeding into, they care about me. They like me. Maybe I'm not a loser, you know. And it starts nurturing these feelings where I feel inadequate. Instead of going to God for my identity, I was starting to rely on people that really didn't care much about me anyway. But I was starting to enjoy the feeling, are you guys still with me? On this side, are you guys still with me? Because I want you guys to understand this. How open wounds in your life from your past, you guys hearing me over here? Open wounds in your life from your past can be open doors and a foothold for Satan to come in. And it can be an open door for a spirit of infirmity, which is a very seducing spirit to wreak havoc in your life. And so all of a sudden I got these people who really didn't care for me, start caring for me, and start worrying about me. And I enjoyed the attention of it. I enjoyed the feeling of it. It, Now I was starting not only to get a high or euphoric feeling from the, you know, the physical effect, but now I'm starting to feel good because people care. People are watching. People care. It's called deception, church. It's, it's a deception that robs you of your identity. It's, it, 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 it steals your health, and eventually it will kill you. Are you guys with me? So, as I continue, as I continue to study healing because God called me to a healing ministry and I knew that at that time in my life as I continued to study healing I believed it was for everybody but not me for not my condition be you know what I mean but as I was studying one day I realized that I was contending with the spirit of infirmity and I was blaming God for my issue and then when I started to examine the whole process, I came to a realization. All of a sudden, my spiritual eyes were opened, and I realized I had been deceived. I realized that 
I realized that this was an evil spirit that was attacking me, trying to kill, steal, and destroy what God had called me to. And his open door of access in my life was rooted in a wound from my childhood. You guys understand what I'm talking about? That was his open door of access. That was his foothold. And that was how he was able to come in and manipulate this whole situation and then bring this attack that all my other family members dealt with, but they were not, they did not live righteous lives. They did not, you understand what I mean? Where I have made a commitment to God, I have been made new. Old things passed away, all things become new. I have the spiritual DNA running through me. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb cleanses me of my sins. The blood of the Lamb heals my body. So the Word of God says. And the Word of God we know is true. But I had made up my mindset. I was so deceived that I made up my mindset that this is my lot in life. But then when my spiritual eyes were open to the deception that I was under, and I realized that it was an open door from an old wound from my past, and I was enjoying the sensation of the feeling of it, and I was enjoying the attention from the people around me of it, I realized this is an illegal attack on my body. This is a spirit that has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and it is using something that has been a generational curse in my family to bring it against me. And so at that moment, I started actively pursuing my healing. I started to go after my healing. And I started to meditate on the scriptures in the Bible that says, by his stripes you are healed. And I started to meditate on all these scriptures. And then, one day, it lifted. I was completely healed. And then after a couple years, I went to the doctor, and I had my diagnosis confirmed. There was no trace of diabetes in my body. Now, there were some residual effects of the extreme high, the extreme low of that. It sort of messed with my brain a little bit. I lost a little bit of my ability to memorize, a lot of my ability to memorize, okay, because diabetes will damage some stuff on you, okay? But that was really the only thing that it affected. So, I walked in that healing for years, okay? All right, now, a spirit of infirmity is not going to give up on you easily, it's going to come back, and it's going to keep trying to attack you. So once in a while, I would feel those symptoms. And I would take my stand, and I'd be like, by his stripes, I have already been healed. I have victory in this through the blood of Jesus Christ. I was confirmed healed, and it's done and over. The symptoms would leave. And eventually, I no longer had symptoms. None whatsoever. No symptoms whatsoever. Everything's fine, totally healed, and I don't even think about it anymore. Well, about three years ago, three, three and a half years ago, I went through one of the hardest periods in my life where um, Satan started to attack me in every which way because he knew that we were on the precipice of a breakthrough in this ministry. And so about three and a half years ago, Satan really attacked me. I'm not going to go into detail about that, 
But he came after me really, really hard. And I did some of the stupidest things in my life in that period of my life. And I made my closest friends lives a living hell. Because I was, um, I was just being pushed and battered around by a satanic attack. But at, in that time, I was always able to go back to the word of God. But it took some nudging and encouragement from my closest friends. Okay? So I got through that season of time in my life. And um, I went to get the prescription for these, these old glasses that I'm wearing now. They're old now. But I went to get the, my eyes checked for that, old prescription, for that prescription. Now I feel fine. And I go get my eyes checked. And the uh, doctor... And I've had glasses since I've been healed from diabetes. And the doctor is doing the examination. And he's looking at my eyes. And he goes, do you have diabetes? He goes, do you have diabetes? This is after I had come off the attack that Satan had buffered me around for a long time. You know, and I was just starting to really get my life and my stride back moving forward again. And his doctor goes, do you have diabetes? And I'm like, no, I do not have diabetes. I am healed. He goes, kind of looks like you got diabetes. I'm like, I don't have diabetes. And, I, and so I get my glasses, walk away from that. And then I start going, do I have diabetes? Is it coming back? I don't feel it. Is it coming back? No, it's not coming back. I'm fine. Then I lay awake at night. Do I have diabetes? Could this thing be coming back on me? And then I started to fear it. I'm like, man, I sure hope I don't have diabetes. That's really going to suck because diabetes will kill you. Do I have diabetes? And so I started questioning that off and on periodically. Do I have diabetes? No, because I don't feel any. I'm not feeling any ups and downs or anything. I just feel fine. So progress a couple years, and here we are last year. The company that I work for during the day decides to do a health screening on all the employees to, to help them out. Now, I'm not going to get mine done because I feel good. Now, I was worried about Pastor Scott because he likes to eat candy. And sweets. I'd never seen a guy put away that much stuff. He, that dude loves to eat. Love that guy, don't you? And there ain't nothing more than I love watching him eat. Because that guy enjoys, he enjoys life. But I start wondering, I'm like, Scott, do you have diabetes? Because I'm like, the dude's always eating cake. You know, he's always eating sweet stuff. I'm like, he must have diabetes. You know, his, you know, it runs in his family line. I'm really worried about it. I'm like, Scott, you got to get the screening. He goes, well, I'm going to get my screening. But he goes, I don't have diabetes. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get it too. What the heck? Might as well. So he goes, gets his screening. We get our screenings back. We open it up. Scott is healthy as all get out. But my numbers come back. I don't feel anything. My numbers come back. And they are off the charts. At stroke level. My blood sugar is way high. My what A1C or whatever they call it, it's like your three-month average, is 9.4, which is basically stroke level. 
I'm like, Scott eats all this, and I, I'm good, but I'm not good. What in the world? I don't even feel anything. And they're like, you got diabetes. Now, I've already been pronounced healed from diabetes. I've been medically clear that I am healed from diabetes. God healed me. I don't have any of the symptoms anymore. So I go to the doctor. And sure shooting, it isn't a fluke or anything. My numbers are off the chart at stroke level. And so they put me on this medicine to bring my sugar down, to bring my everything down. And now here it is, I'm dealing with the symptoms again. Now, how in the world did that spirit come back and get me again? Because now I don't like it. Because the way I got healed from the first time, I began to hate that disease. I hated that spirit of infirmity. And I hated it so much that I didn't want any of its benefits, any of the seducing things that it would have, like the euphoric highs or the ups and downs. That's how I got healed years ago. I began to learn to hate the disease. And I realized that that disease is an illegal attack on my body. And I started to hate it, and I started to hate the effects, and I started to hate the attention that it brought. The very things that brought that spirit into my life, I learned that it is an illegal attack, and it is an open door from the attack of the enemy. And so I hated it. And I hated it, and I stood my ground on the authority of Christ that I have, that it has no authority in my body. So now I get diagnosed with diabetes again. How did it happen? Because when the doctor looked at me, Three years ago, and he goes, do you have diabetes? I was like, do I have diabetes? And then so I would lay awake at night thinking, do I have diabetes? Do I have diabetes? What was I not doing? Contending for my healing. I wasn't standing on the word of God over this situation in my life. I allowed fear and worry to start influencing me. Now remember, we have that ver scripture verse, take every thought captive and measure it by the word of God. In church, that's why it's important that we understand the scriptures and we know the word of God because we have to uh, take it and we have to apply it even when it's hard to our life and our life situations. We have to do that and we have to take every thought captive and measure it by the word of God. We are going to go long today and I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry because I'm telling you the truth because I'm going to give you a key to breakthrough in just a second. So I'm not sorry. You all are going to have to postpone lunch. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Man, you guys were more excited about that than you were about when we said, who's in favor of sex? Everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> who's in favor of food? Good. You're not real hungry right now. Okay, good. Because here's the deal. I'm going to take every thought captive and measure it by the Word of God. Often in my scriptural walk, I would apply that to sin issues in my life and overcoming sin issues. But it, it, it's much more broader than that. Through that, take every thought captive and measure it by the Word of God will bring deliverance to you in your health issues. If you will meditate on the Word of God for whatever it is you're going through in your life, and if you will pursue God for his promises over your life. Because we got to get our mind and our thought life to line up with the word of God. So I get diagnosed with this disease again. And they put me on a stupid medicine. And before long, 
But now it ticks me off because I know exactly what it is. I know exactly where it comes from, and I ain't giving into it, and I ain't carrying that stupid meter around because I'm not going to play to that spirit of infirmity. I don't need what it has to offer in my life. But after I got diagnosed with diabetes, the first thought that came through my mind was, this is the way it's always been in my family. And then my next thought was, maybe healing really isn't for real. And I'm like, then I did take that thought captive. Because at this time, I'm taking every thought captive. I'm like, yeah, healing's for, every, for real, and it's for now. And I purposed in my life that from this day forward, when I, back when I got diagnosed the second time, I purposed in my life, okay, fine. If the spirit of infirmity wants to attack me in my life, so be it. I have the victory in Christ. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things come new. I operate under spiritual DNA. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. I have an authority to heal people. God has given me a healing ministry. Healing is for real, and I reject that thought. And because you have attacked me, spirit of infirmity, I am on purpose now going to go out, and I am going to find everybody in public that is sick, and I am going to lay hands on them, and I am going to break your stronghold in a community around me. And I, and I made that purpose, and that is my purpose in life. And I'm going to contend and stand and fight for my healing of this again. I'm not going to be controlled by this. And worst case scenario, I will die in faith. Because I am not going to put up with an evil spirit tormenting me or anybody else or anybody else around. I am going to enforce the word of God in my life. Because here's the thing. When it comes to healing, when it comes to dealing with stuff in our life, the Christian church has watered down the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you guys hearing me? We have watered it down because we make excuses for when things don't happen in our life. And I'm going to pick on healing, for instance. We make excuses. We say, well, maybe it's not God's timing. Or we'll say, Maybe it's something I'm dealing with. Or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that. We make excuses for why we don't see the manifestation of healing or other things in our life. And I want to correct that myth right now about healing. Because we're talking about the spirit of infirmity. So you guys see how the spirit of infirmity is seducing? Do you guys understand how that is? In reality, all spirits are seducing, whether it's anger, whether it's depression, or whatever. Because when we get that way, the attention becomes all about self. And the, and the thing is, is, we have died to self. We're no longer alive, but it's Christ in us who is alive. You guys hearing me over here? We have died to self. So here's the remedy. Take every thought captive and measure it by the word of God. But there is no excuse for the standard of God not coming to pass in our life. And if it doesn't come to pass, we need to contend for it and fight for it. Because here's the thing. God's standard is God's holy standard. You guys understand? Healing is for now. Right now. 
Not sometime down the road in the future. Not when God might feel like, okay, I'm decided I'm going to bless them today. That is not how God works. If that's how he works, he would be considered a child abuser. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Healing is for today. If there's not the manifestation, it's not on God's end. It could be something spiritual or it could be something we're contending with. Or it could be like I was dealing with in my own life. It was I was inviting and accepting a spirit of infirmity on my life. You guys understand? If you got a disease, I'm not saying it's your fault. If you got this, you guys understand me. What I'm saying is it can be an evil spirit or it could be just life because we get old and old happens. You guys understand that? So don't let Satan start giving you condemnation if you're dealing with physical ailment. The standard is healing is for today and for right now. But if we are not able to have that manifest in our situation, we have to contend in faith and fight for it and go after what is legally and rightfully ours in the Word of God. And I want to show you in Scripture. Exodus 15, 26. And I think Andrew has that for there. I want to focus on the last part of it. Where it says, for I am the Lord who heals you. Not only does he heal us from our diseases, he heals us of our spiritual issues when we sin. He heals us from our sin. So it's not just a physical healing. It's, a, it's not just a spiritual healing. It's also a physical healing. He is known as the Lord God who heals you. That's how he's known. That's his reputation. So God's not sitting up there going, no, man, I might want to heal you today or another day. He, he is the Lord God who heals you, period. He healed you and he redeemed you of your sin issues. He can heal you of your physical issues. He is the Lord God. That's his nature. That's who he is. He is the Lord God who heals you. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 3. Now, this is how you talk to yourself. All right? You shouldn't accept what you got as this is my lot in life and it's just the way it is. This is how you should self-talk. And David gives us an example. He's talking to himself. Psalms 103, 1 through 3. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Who is he talking to? Himself. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. What is our soul? It's our spirit, it's what's within us. It's what we think with. Our mind. Praise the Lord, all my soul. It doesn't say worry, fear, doubt, complain, grumble, and start talking about your issues. It says praise the Lord, all my soul. And all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Now, a spirit infirmity, when it attacks you, you won't pursue your healing. You will accept it as your lot in life, and you'll be like, it's just what i got to deal with. And if you're honest with yourself, if you're dealing with a spirit of infirmity, you sort of enjoy it because it's a very seducing spirit. You guys follow me? The first time I actually started to become wise to it was even before I dealt with the diabetes issue. I remember when I was sitting in, um, in my mom's kitchen... And I think I was in Bible college or the latter part of Bible college. I was watching my brother's ex-girlfriend and my uncle's wife having a competition about who was the sickest. 
They were sitting there for hours discussing their ailments, their sicknesses. And they're like, well, I got this and this and this and this and this hurts. And then the other one, well, I got this and this and this and this and this hurts. And then the, and they were both self-feeding on each other and enjoying their ailments and trying to one-up each other of who was the sickest. And I look back at that conversation because I told Marcia sitting there, I'm like, Good God, I don't want to sit in this place any longer and listen to these people because they're nuts. And they were dealing with a spirit of infirmity. And they were reveling and enjoying their sickness. And they were bragging about their sickness. They were bragging about their symptoms. They were bragging about their thing. And they were sick. Not only were they sick physically, they were sick spiritually because they were coming into agreement with that thing. And the Bible tells us in Psalms 103 how we are to speak to our soul. Praise the Lord, all my soul, all my innermost being, everything within me, my body, spirit, soul, everything. Praise the Lord. Praise His holy name. That is God's standard. He is holy. And in His, in His holiness... There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is nothing evil in his being. So healing is for today. It's for now. And if we don't receive it, it's not on his end because he is holy. So we got to learn to start talking to ourselves. And we got to start to learn to contend for what is rightfully ours. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So we got to have a life of praise. When we are dealing with stuff that doesn't come into alignment with the promises of God on our life, we praise the Lord. We don't complain about it and start saying, well, you may deal, deal with finances in this issue, but I've got this issue in finances. And you'll be like, well, I'm dealing with this and this and this, and my job may be going slow. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. I don't make a lot of money. and You, know, you see how that works? We start talking it up, and we're not to do that. We are to take every thought captive in every area of our life that does not line up with the Word of God. We're to take it captive, and we are to start praising the Lord, oh my soul. Praise His holy name. We focus on Him. We focus on His holiness. We draw near to Him in that intimacy. And we start, start living out of His identity. Out of his reality. And then we start to tell ourselves, don't forget the benefits. That means don't forget the promises of God on your life. And then it goes on to say, it starts declaring who God is. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Amen. We're going to heaven. And he heals all your diseases. That's good news. It's not maybe he might, you might get lucky, you might not. It's he heals all your diseases. That is his character, his nature, and his identity. That is who God is. First Peter 2.24 The promise and the thing that sealed the deal. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You all believe you're going to heaven? Why are you going to heaven? Because of the shed blood on the cross. Because of the finished work of redemption that Jesus did for you. Right before he did that, 
that was, he started to shed his blood in this way. He took a beating. And it says in 1 Peter 2.24, By his stripes you are healed. As much as your salvation is signed, sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ, so is your healing. That is your legal and authoritative right as a child of God. That is the benefit. It was in the old covenant and it's in the new covenant. It is still his name. Jesus died for your sins, paid the price, but he also paid the price for your physical healing. And last but not least, this is the most important. When it comes to what is rightfully yours, it has nothing to do with you. You just got to get your mind and your soul and your spirit and your body in line with the word of God. And you got to contend for it. You got to go after it. Because this is who your daddy is. You know that old saying, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Abba, Father. Heavenly Father. When Jesus taught us to pray, you know, in the, and we talk about this often, the Lord's Prayer. Everybody, the problem is, is the Christian church has reduced it down to a rote prayer that they're like, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, and you know the rest, right? They just do it as a rote saying. Everybody stands up, and they say it, and they, and they have a religious exercise of saying that. And they're like, it's Lord's Prayer. We're reciting the Lord's Prayer. No, Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. So he's dressing our addressing our daddy, our Abba Father. The one who loves you more than anybody else because he sent his own son to die on the cross for you. He sent his own son to be beaten for your healing. Right? So our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And you know this teaching because we teach on this a long time. There ain't no sin, sickness, disease in heaven. And when we're praying this prayer, what we're praying, the prayer that Jesus taught us to say is we're saying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there's no sickness in heaven, there should be no sickness when we start about kingdom business on the earth. We are to enforce the authority of the kingdom of God in our life. And if we want to enforce it out into the world, we've got to enforce it into our life. There's no sickness or disease in heaven, so there should be none on earth. There's no lack in heaven, there should be none on the earth. Because that is who our daddy is. Now, I want to tell you our daddy's name. You want to know our daddy's name? Jehovah Rapha. The Lord who heals you. There is no excuse for tolerating a spirit of infirmity. There is no excuse for tolerating a sickness in your life. If you're dealing with a spirit of infirmity, we will cast it off of you and you will be healed. If you're dealing with just a regular illness because we get old and life happens, it doesn't change the fact of God's reality in a reality that is rightfully ours. And we've got to contend and fight for what is ours because our dad's name, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And we got to stand firm on who our daddy is. Because we, sometimes we get in a fight where we can't handle it. You remember when you were a little kid and you get in a fight and you can't handle it, and all of a sudden your dad comes into the thing? You remember that? 
You know what I mean? You remember when you're having trouble with the neighborhood kids and your dad shows up? I remember one time when I was a kid, my, in my, my fondest memory of my dad was um, when my brother was having trouble with this girl. And then this group of people were going to jump him. And so my dad was like, let's go. We're going to go deal with this. And me, my dad, and another friend, and I don't remember who else was with us. There was four of us total. And we decided we're going to take on this mob of people. And we met where they were going to jump my brother. And then, then when they saw there was us, and this was a lot, they were outnumbered, they took off. And so we chased them down. My dad knew how to pursue an enemy. This is my physical dad, my, my biological dad. He knew how to pursue an enemy. And so we followed him to this house. And so we were going to have a showdown in the street. And, and it looked like, out in the street, it looked like what was going to be a gang war. And that's what it looked like. You had my dad and my older friend, and then you had my other friend and myself. And so we're going to go toe-to-toe with this gang of people. And then the police showed up and broke it up. But what that showed me was my dad loved my brother, and he loved me enough that we're going to go kick some tail. And our God, our Abba Father, loves us more than my physical dad did. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. His name is Jehovah Rapha. And he has come to kick some serious tail. The Bible even says about Jesus. It says not only is he Jehovah Rapha. It says he has come to destroy the works of the devil. And so we need to be in active pursuit of taking down the devil's strongholds, whether it's in healing, whether it's in finances, whether it's in sin issues, whether it's in bad mindsets, whatever it is in our life, whether it's in anger or whether it's in community issues. Because Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you, is not just something that's for the church. It needs to be enforced. His name, his identity, his character needs to become manifested not only in the four walls of the church, but also out into the community. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Modern day translation, the devil ain't got no chance against our dad because our dad will kick some tail. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. And that is our victory. That is our inheritance. That is our promise. Healing is for today. It's for now. It's not, oh, if it's the Lord's will. His name is healing. He will not depart from his nature, his identity, or his name. It's not, oh, if it's the Lord's will. Or, oh, if it's the Lord's timing. The Lord who heals you is the God who does it in the now. Because that's his reality. That's his name. That's his character. And he will not withhold himself from you. So contend for what is yours. Contend for the things that are of the Spirit. Contend by taking your body, soul, and spirit into captivity and measuring it by the word of God and applying the word of God until you get the manifestation of that reality into your circumstance. And until you don't and until you do continue to help others get their breakthrough. Because if we're going to be pestered by a spirit, let's go out and imitate our father and let's kick some tail. Because we are the righteousness of Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means we have taken on the nature of Christ. 
And so let's use our God-given nature, our redeemed nature, the one that reflects, the, reflects Christ, and let's help other people get their breakthrough, even if we're still contending for ours. Let's not sit around and say, God, I hope this goes away so I can get busy for your work. Let's stop making excuses and let's enforce the name of our Father and walk on it, stand on it, and use it, and enforce it out into the community. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. No spirit of infirmity, no spirit of fear, no spirit of anger, no spirit of lust, no other demonic spirit, no other situations in life, no other issues that we just go through because of the natural circumstances of this fallen world can stand against our dad. Our dad is tough. Our dad is the baddest, toughest, biggest dad in town. He's the creator of the universe. He has all authority. And our enemy, the devil, has no right and no hold on our life. So let's not give away that authority to the enemy. Let's come into agreement with who our dad is. And let's start walking in our true DNA, our spiritual DNA. We have the blood of Christ running through us. Let's walk in that identity. And I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ to take your stand in the issues of life, knowing full well who your dad is. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Will you guys pray with me? We are going to renounce the spirit of infirmity. We are going to renounce these things that we have yielded to in our life. I'm not going to call you up for an altar call because there's a corporate anointing in here. Caleb was healed of deafness in one of his ears because he just happened to be in the worship service one day in our church years ago. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody prayed for him. There was no religious thing that was done for him. It was one of those unique times with the old congregation where they were actually worshiping. And God was moving in the service. And the spirit and the presence of God was such a reality in there. Because of the spirit and the presence of God and the worship of the congregation, that corporate anointing, Caleb was healed. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody prayed a prayer for him. Nobody declared scripture over his life. People were just worshiping. And our dad, Jehovah Rapha, showed up as the Lord who heals you. And he was healed. So we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer of confession. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Will you guys do that? And I'm not going to ask you to go, when I say these words, I'm not going to ask you to go, it's just kind of mumble. I want you to declare it. Remember we talked about declaring and decreeing a couple months ago? I want you to declare this into the atmosphere. I want to put all principalities on notice that our dad is tough. Our dad is the biggest, baddest, toughest being out there. And he's the God of love. And he loves us so much that he's given us his identity. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And I want them to be on notice that this is who our dad is. And if you pick on us, and if we can't handle it, we go to him, Jehovah Rapha, our dad. And our dad will sure take care of us. If there's going to be a neighborhood fight, dad's with us. Amen? Satan and the spirits want to fight with us. Here comes dad. Here comes dad. You guys ready to do this? Let's pray. We're going to confess lies that we have accepted against our healing. Here we go. Repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus... I confess and remove any agreements that I have made 
with the spirit of infirmity concerning my health. I have I repent for believing and accepting the lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name, I command my thoughts to align with the word of God. I have the mind of Christ. And the wisdom of God is formed within me. In Jesus' name, I break every word curse that anybody that has spoken over my life. In Jesus' name, I break every word curse that I have spoken over myself about sickness. I cancel those agreements in the name of Jesus Christ. The spirit of infirmity and its manifestations has no authority in my life. I command all familiar spirits, infirmity, depression, anger, fear, to release your hold on my life. In Jesus' name, I loose upon myself the truth, the victory, the divine health that Jesus paid for with his blood. In Jesus' name, I declare healing and wholeness to my body, to my soul. And to my spirit, in Jesus' name, I am free. Amen. At this time, Natalie, would you come? God is awesome, amen? That's our daddy. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Are you guys ready to worship him? Are you guys ready to celebrate him? You guys ready to worship him for who he is? Let's stand up and let's do this. Let's give him our all because he is so worthy.